Man, that's some good stuff. Wow. Um, worship team always does such a great job. Thank you, Laura, for always preparing, and all of you. Uh, such talent, but great choice of songs. Man, oh man. How does that one start? Um, about not being able to express. I forget the, how it says it, but they can't basically saying you can't find the words well that's an important concept when it comes to gratitude we're going to see that this morning thankfulness because i don't know if you've noticed this but if you look in the bible and you and you look at the original language so many times our english just falls so short like when we say thank you or thankfulness or thanksgiving or gratitude we know what we mean but I'm telling you, I don't think it carries the depth, and hopefully we're going to see that. I'm kind of learning a little bit about that, and I have to give credit to a book I read about eight or ten years ago that kind of inspired this thought process for, for this message. It's by Ann Voskamp. It's called 1,000 Gifts, a really, really good book, but the key thing in there that she pointed out that I had never looked at was the word for thankfulness or thanksgiving in the Bible. And we're going to look at that word and some other words along with it. Um, but I think there's a depth there that we haven't quite reached, and we probably won't ever fully get there. But our, our English, I feel like, just falls a little bit short. So um, we're going to see what we can do with this this morning, and hopefully I'll be able to express what is churning in my heart and mind about it what I think the word is getting at, how powerful gratitude really is. I don't think we, we understand it. And so uh, we're going to get into that, but before we do, I, I just wanted to acknowledge Adrian, wherever he is the last two weeks. Wow, great, great stuff, discipleship. And uh, I remember last week that the key thing I remembered was when he talked about looking through the gift and seeing the heart of the giver. Um, so all that flows together with gratitude and thankfulness. So thank you, Adrian, for, for that. So Thanksgiving, uh, it's not just a holiday in November. I don't know if you're aware of that, but you know when we think about Thanksgiving or when we think about a Thanksgiving message, we kind of expect that somebody's going to talk about the Puritans and the Native Americans and the early, early foundings of America. And that's not where we're going this morning at all. So and that's a great thing. That's important, and we're thankful for that. You know, God's done a lot of amazing things through all of that and, and given us a great country, and, and, but that's not what this is about. So Thanksgiving is not just an event. It's not just about remembering those wonderful things in Turkey and, and, you know, deer and all those things and coming together and thanking one another and thanking God. That's great and that's important, but it's, it's bigger than, than just that. For the believer, thanksgiving should be an underlying and overreaching attitude in our life. It should be a way of life. It is foundational and should be a habit in the life of every Christian. And hopefully we'll see this morning, it is the pathway to joy and contentment. If we're not thankful, I know whenever I focus on what I don't have or focus on what I would like to be different, I never find myself happy after doing that. 
But whenever I can look at even simple things that are really miraculous, you know, a bird flying through the sky, the birth of a baby, um, coconut cream pie. <laughs> I mean, how do you throw stuff together and it, and it comes out, it's completely, it's changed completely into something. You wouldn't want any of those one ingredients. You wouldn't want that by itself. But when you put it together, that's a miracle. Coconut cream pie. I mean, simple things. Think about it. Think about how life works. Things that seem so simple. I mean, that's a miracle. Do you think about it that way? When you take a breath, how did you do that? How did you make that work? Oh, you didn't, did you? You didn't have much to do with that. You don't even think about it. It happens in your sleep. You know, your heart that just beats and pumps blood. Simple things that we should learn to find such gratitude in. That's a side, but I don't even know where that came from. But we're going to pray, and then we're going to dig into to this message. Lord God, we come before you this morning, and we do thank you. We thank you that, that we got up this morning. We got out of bed. We're here that we just participated in worship, that we don't even grasp or understand what that does to your heart. That how heaven rejoices when your people come together and, and worship together and fellowship together. I, I don't think we grasp these depths. So take us there and help us to understand more, Lord, of what you're doing and what you want to do in our lives. Give us a glimpse into your word this morning holy spirit will you just speak to our hearts and help us to be changed and to not be the same when we leave as we were when we came even just with maybe a simple concept that we can grasp that we would put to practice in our lives help us to do this lord the, the way that you did it we ask this in jesus name amen so the word thankful in the greek and I am not a Greek scholar, and I don't have good pronunciation, so bear with me. You have to do a lot of hacking, you know, when you're speaking Greek or Hebrew. And I don't speak those languages, but um, when I try to say those words, you've got to do a lot of that throaty stuff, you know. <laughs> so the word is eucharistos, 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 the word for thankful. And it simply means, or maybe it's not so simple, to be mindful of favors or to be grateful. So it's kind of like the idea of recognizing things that you would appreciate, things that you feel gratitude for, eucharistos. It's a derivative of the word charizomai, which means to do something pleasant or to do a favor, to show oneself gracious, kind, and benevolent. So as I try to grasp this language, and I am no, I, I've never studied, like formally studied Greek other than a, a concordance and just kind of looking at the words. But so many times you will find a word hidden in a word. Like the, they have multiple deep meanings. That our English words, we just have like, like our word for love. We kind of know what we mean when we say love. Well, in, in the Greek or Aramaic, they have like four different words for love. Things like that. Um, that, that maybe <laughs> bring such depth to it that we don't always understand or grasp. And I think this word for thankful is like that. Because karizomai means to do something pleasant or to do a favor 
but eucharistos, kind of like means you recognize you receive a favor or something that was done to or for you. So it kind of just goes both directions all at the same time to show oneself gracious, kind, and, and benevolent. So we recognize something to be thankful for, and we respond. It's kind of all wrapped up together. It changes us. There's a response that happens whenever we learn to be thankful. And there's a word hidden in the middle of the word eucharistos. If we put that on the screen, does anybody see the word that's hidden in there? If we have that little slide, there it is. Do you see any words that maybe you have heard before in the Greek? Right in the middle of that? Charis, which means grace. That's the word for grace. Right in the middle of the word thankful. <laughs> it, it just simply means grace, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. But it also, when you look at the, these definitions... Not only does it mean goodwill, loving kindness, or favor, but it also is that which affords joy and pleasure and delight. Again, all of this wrapped up in one word. We say grace, we think, well, it's kind of like an unmerited favor. You know, receiving something that we don't deserve or, or not receiving something that we should have received. It's, it's a gift. So our word for grace is, is one thing, but the Bible word for grace is almost on a whole nother level. Yes, it is loving kindness, it is favor, it is receiving something undeserved, but it's also that which affords joy and pleasure and delight. They go hand in hand. So if we want to experience joy and favor, pleasure and delight, we must start with being thankful. It's right there in the middle of it. It's right in the middle of thankfulness and gratitude. Another related word is the word charisma which we get our word charisma, but again, boy, the English just doesn't do it justice. And I'm sure our, our language sometimes kind of over time, it almost like one, a word that used to mean this, now it kind of means something different. And charisma, possibly that way, I don't know, you know, in older times in English, old English, what it necessarily meant. But when we say charisma now, what are we talking about? If you look in the dictionary, you'll find a magnetic charm or appeal. Somebody who's really got personality, right? They're charismatic. Well, the Bible word for charisma, because it has, again, that word charis, that word grace, it's unmerited favor. It's the gift of faith. It's divine gratuity. It's deliverance. That's what these words mean. If you get your concordance out and you look this up, this is what you're going to find. So the word charisma... In a way, it's a salvation word having to do with gratitude and thankfulness. And we'll see that salvation and gratitude go hand in hand. Hopefully, we'll get that picture as we, as we continue. When we put it all together, we get the word that's related to that word, but it's the word eucharisteo, eucharisteo. And it means to express thanks, to express thankfulness, grace, all of that. Eucharisteo. And this is what Jesus did many times, but he did it on the night that he was betrayed in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll probably get that up there, but I'm just pitiful at reading off that over there. I like to look it up right here in front of me. So um, 
chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took breath. Took breath. Took bread. Took breath, too. But he took bread. And this is the night he was betrayed. So think about the context of this. He's being betrayed by a very, very close friend. And what does he do? When he had done what? Given thanks. So he, he's gathered with his disciples, what we call the Last Supper. One there at the table is going to betray him. He knows, of course, all of this. He takes the bread and he takes the wine. And still to this day, we, we utilize that. Like he said, do this in remembrance of me, right? But I think when we read passages like this, we think, okay, when he had given thanks, so he, he thanked God and he broke the bread and, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then it goes on the same way. He took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He's talking about his death, of course. But we just kind of pass over that part about he gave thanks. But what if the giving thanks is kind of almost the whole thing? Like if Jesus didn't have, sounds trite, you know, the attitude of gratitude, <laughs> kind of sounds funny, we, and we make fun of that sometimes, but he had an attitude of gratitude. That was his underlying modus operandi he just he was he, he knew how to express thanks to the father so uh, when i see this and i see the language here and i see that the bible doesn't leave anything out or add anything that shouldn't be there this given giving of thanks takes on a whole new meaning it's like if jesus wasn't a thankful gracious person we wouldn't even be having this meal <laughs> we wouldn't be having this discussion this started with an attitude of thankfulness to the Father. for what he, he was about to go to the cross and die, and he's thankful. Can you imagine being thankful to that degree, to that level, that even though I'm about to suffer and die for the sins of humanity, God, I am thankful that you, you've chosen me, you count me worthy. So he gave thanks. He practiced eucharisteo. And if you look it up, that's, what, that's where it says he gave thanks. It's eucharisteo. He took the bread and the wine. He expressed gratitude, a tangible expression of grace and favor that affords joy, pleasure, and deliverance. It does all of that. That's the meaning of the whole thing. Everything wrapped up in one word, in one act. And he told us to do the same in remembrance. So, could we dare say that, that thankfulness precedes life, real life, especially fullness of life? Because whenever I take the time to be thankful, I feel much more alive than, again, when I'm focused on what I don't have or what's not going well or what hurts today or, you know, whatever. I don't feel full of life when I do that. But when I take the time to appreciate a campfire or um, a, a cup of coffee, it's simple things, but you find gratitude, thankfulness in those things, I feel much more alive 
when I do that. So thankfulness in many ways precedes life. It did here. Jesus is about to die to give life. And he says, Father, I give you thanks. Eucharisteo, grace, thanksgiving, joy. It's demonstrated again, this life-giving power of gratitude, when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus. Now you might remember this story. We find that over in John chapter 11, where the Bible tells us here, um, not the section we're going to read, but earlier before, we're going to look at verses 40 through 42 and maybe a few others. Um, But the Bible tells us that Jesus, I don't know why it's specific to remind us, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I mean, it points that out. He loved them. So that, that it's kind of important to the rest of this story because they go and they find Jesus, who's a couple hours away or whatever, to another place, and they say, Lazarus is sick. We need you to come. The one that you love is sick. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't go. He waits. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would he do that? And then Lazarus passes away. Um, So verses 40 through 42. Actually, I need to read this off there because this is the passion, the passion version, which I don't have here. So Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, come forth, Lazarus. No, he didn't, did he? He gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now, so that those who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger, I will use the power you have given me. So he doesn't just pop in onto the scene and say, Lazarus, come forth, and here he comes. He stops. He says, Father, I thank you. I, Eucharisteo. That's what he said. And that's what he did. It's almost like this word. You not only say it, but you live it. You do it. There's such depth to it. Father, thank you. Eucharisteo. It precedes the miracle. Did you see that? <laughs> Are you with me? Did you, did you catch that? It preceded the miracle. We don't just bumble on through. We stop and we recognize and we're grateful. And there's power in that. Another example is found in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke 17. 11 through 19. And it came about while he was on the way to Jerusalem that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. Now we know if you had leprosy, you always stood at a distance. You were even supposed to cry out unclean 
Everybody avoided you. But these leprous men, standing at a distance, they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about, as they were going, they were cleansed. A side note, that's kind of interesting. When Jesus told them to do something and they did it, as they were doing it, it's when they were cleansed, when they were healed of leprosy. But listen to the rest of this story. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he had been healed. Because this isn't going to make a whole lot of sense here in a minute when we see what Jesus says here in a minute. He had been healed. He turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. I believe he was probably giving thanks. He fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? So were there not ten healed? This is past tense. But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise. Remember, he fell at his feet. He's already been healed. This is important. And Jesus says to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He had already healed him. So then when he comes back, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith, you faithfully came back. You fell at Jesus' feet. You were grateful. You expressed that. And now you've been made well. There's a difference between being healed of leprosy or whatever it might be and being made well in this sense. This word here is the word sozo. This word means saved. He had been healed of leprosy, and now, after coming back and expressing gratitude, he's healed spiritually. <laughs> he was saved. Of course, we know it's Jesus that saves. It's through faith. His faith led to salvation. But his faith was expressed through thanksgiving. Eucharisteo precedes the miracle. And it brings life. Is it possible for an ungrateful person to trust Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? When you came to faith, did you feel ungrateful? Is it even possible? I would dare say no. You can't. Put genuine faith in Christ from an attitude of ingratitude. <laughs> Have you ever been broken before the Lord? Have you ever shed tears in His presence? Don't you just, aren't you overcome with thankfulness <laughs> for what He's done? These things go hand in hand. I don't believe that an ungrateful person can ever really surrender themselves to the Lord. Just as gratitude precedes the miracle, ingratitude precedes rebellion. Have you ever thought about that? Let's go all the way back. Now, I don't think I even gave scriptures for this, but in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, Genesis 3, way back here, 
Who is it that comes along? Remember, God has created this beautiful creation. Everything's good. He creates man and woman. All is good. It's declared good. And then what happens? In the garden, the serpent, Satan, deceived man. Why did he do that? Was Satan not the first ingrate? Being an ingrate means you're an unthankful person. You are not grateful. Wasn't he the first one in heaven? It got him kicked out. He wasn't grateful for who he was, for who God made him to be. He wanted more. He was dissatisfied, ungrateful. And now he shows up on the scene here and he convinces the woman to be the same way. Everything that's good here, but oh wait, he convinced her God is withholding something from you. And I bet at that moment she stopped being completely 100% grateful because she thought there's something more that God hasn't given me. What she really thought, if we, and we don't put it into these words very often, but anytime you and I have any kind of sin in our life, we don't believe God is good in that moment because we chose something else. <laughs> Why would we choose something else if God is truly good? And that's what Eve did. She believed for a moment that, that God must not be completely good because he's withholding something from me. So just as gratitude precedes the miracle, ingratitude precedes rebellion. We've got to be careful with that. When we go around with a, a spirit of just discouragement or uh, a lack of appreciation for what we've been given, that can lead us to some bad places in our life. So he convinced the woman to be ungrateful. Our fall, the fall of man, is that we aren't satisfied with God and what he gives that's a hard thing to face. <laughs> but really, if I turn to anything else in life for joy, fulfillment, contentment that's not from God, I've rebelled against Him. One last example of gratitude preceding salvation, really, is found in Luke chapter 7. Verses 36 through 50. This is a long section here, but it's worth, uh, it's worth the read. Now, our word, eucharisteo, is not found in this section. You're not going to see the, the word there if you go back and look at the language. It's not there. But the action of eucharisteo, of thankfulness, is all over this passage. It's fully expressed in this passage. So think about, as I read this, think about the ways that the woman in this story expressed gratitude in tangible ways. Think about the ways that she lived Eucharisteo. Starting in verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table, that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. You see anything in her actions that might be coming from an attitude 
of gratitude. She kept wiping his feet with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him, that she is a sinner. Do you think he had eucharisteo in this moment? No. And Jesus answered, he didn't say anything, he thought it, but Jesus answered him, because he knows. He said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said to him, you have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Now, when someone comes over to your house... If you're thankful that they're there, you're, you're thankful for that person and that they are in your home. Don't you want to serve them? Don't you want to acknowledge them? But Simon didn't do that. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has, there's that word again, soto. Just like when the leprous man came back and gave thanks, He said, your faith has made you so-so well. It's like the gift of salvation. And this woman expressed immense gratitude before this gift was bestowed upon her. Eucharisteo precedes the miracle. And I think even including the miracle of salvation... We have to have that humility and come gratefully to a king who has laid down his life for us before we can receive that. Thankfulness is not what saves us, but it puts our heart in the position to receive the gift of salvation. Eucharisteo, grace, thanksgiving, joy. So, hopefully that gives you a little bit more depth into the idea of the Bible when it talks about Thanksgiving, what that really means. If you'll take that and really chew on it, you'll probably go to depths you haven't been, maybe ever or in a long time. And that's where I want to go. And so we can practice that even now. We just came off, off the heels of this day that we call Thanksgiving, where we probably eat a lot of bad food and um, take long naps. But how much time do we really spend expressing gratitude so i just want to give you a moment uh, if you feel led to if you would just like to pop up maybe right where you are and just express a way that you have maybe think about this way what is a way that you've experienced joy and delight by being thankful for something 
How has thoughtfulness brought you joy? Thoughtfulness, thankfulness brought you joy and delight. Because remember, that's tied up in that word, eucharisteo, joy, thankfulness, delight, thanksgiving. So if you have something, let's hear it.
The Lord put this song in my planning heart this week as I heard from Brian about what he was going to speak on and I wasn't exactly sure how the message was going to land, but after I heard his message, I thought this is just the song that we should do and kind of like what he said at the end, you won't see the word thankful in the song, but it's that sense of no matter where you're at right now in your life, what you're struggling with, what you're going through, God is there. He's in the middle of it, and we can be grateful for that. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you meet us in our mourning with a love that casts out fear. You are working in our waiting. You are sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the
love for you to stand right now and as we sing this bridge part just make it a recognition in your heart of what the Lord's doing